Continuing on, we're in chapter 9 now, verse 1. It says, Paul speaking, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. Before we go on, what is he saying? It's a type of oath he's talking about, which they use to confirm things like swearing under oath. So he's trying to convince these Jewish Christians and some of them that are questioning the Gentiles' acceptance into the church. He states, I'm not lying, and my conscience testifies in agreement with the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul put a lot of stock in your conscience. Some people don't. They think it's all faith and grace. If you don't maintain a pure conscience, you'll not make it into the kingdom. See, that startles people. It's your conscience that uh, lets you know through the conviction of the Spirit when you sin or don't sin. It's your conscience. If it's defiled, if it's marred, it cannot be a good umpire for things. It's only the enlightened conscience that has been cleansed can see things as they're supposed to be seen. And the conscience will mature, and as it gets more light, it has more freedom to know how to do certain things. But even Paul told the Christian, and he called them weak, if you're bound by days and months and what you can eat and what you can't, he said, you're basically a weak Christian. Uh, But he said, don't take it for granted when people tell you you can do something. If your conscience still bothers you, you wait until it's enlightened. Because he said, even if you're right and you say, well, I'll, I'll assume this or I'll guess this by faith, he says, you're sinning. Whatever is not of true faith is sin. So he's saying, don't presume on God unless you know. And so he was telling the weaker Jews, will you keep doing that until you can understand and your conscience can be enlightened? So if they thought it was wrong to eat certain things, it was wrong for them. And yet Paul and mature Christians knew they could eat anything. But they didn't want the mature Christians saying, well, go ahead and eat it anyway. He didn't teach that. He taught that your conscience is lightened by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. And otherwise, it's sin. So people need to know the conscience is very important. And Paul once said, I do everything, he said, and I'm very careful to maintain a pure conscience. He always went by his conscience being led and enlightened by the Spirit. A lot of people I've heard when you counsel them, well, I I can do that and this. And you know, even the scripture says it's not a question of uh, meats and drinking. When it comes to sin, and they say, well, I feel okay to do it. Well, you're deceived. You're under a false spirit because God is not going to give you freedom and liberty to sin. So a lot of heresies think you have a license to sin and I'll just lose a few rewards. No, you'll be damned to eternal destruction if you practice evil and continue in it. So we need to get back. A lot of the heresies deceive millions into thinking, oh, I'm once saved always. I can do as I please. It's all grace and faith. Well, they're going to find out it's not. And therefore, they sin and do things that their conscience eventually doesn't bother them because they think they have the liberty to do it. Liberty that Paul talks about and Peter Peter says they promise you liberty when they're in the bondage of sin. So that's what the false teacher does. 
He teaches you a license to sin and a freedom, and you're okay, you'll just lose rewards. It says, while he's bound by sin. Well, if he's bound by sin, he's not going to make it into the kingdom. So this is why the conscience is important. So again, he's talking to Christian Jews, reminding them that God's call to the Gentile, and he offered them a grace after the Jews as a nation and a people were rejected because they rejected God. So he went into another covenant. So they were the chosen. When people talk about the Jews being the chosen, they're not chosen as they are now. God can work out purposes with wicked people. God is not breathing to Israel. They're still lost. Every Jew that doesn't believe and receive Jesus Christ is lost and on his way to hell, just like any Gentile is. I've heard a lot of evangelicals say, well, they're saved their way. No, they're not. Paul said they have to come through Jesus like him and the original 12 apostles did. See? So he didn't exclude all the Jews. He defends himself. So with Jews, we came to the Lord. We turned to him. But we have to remember now, they're not chosen. When they're made to be special people, and people emphasize that, they're doing the work of the devil because they despise God and Jesus Christ and they're enemies of the cross, just like any Gentile and the people of the world. So the misconception because they don't know Scripture. And God is pursuing them. And wherever they went through the nations, he sent hunters and fishermen, and they've been persecuted, not because they're chosen people, because they're rebellious and will not come back to the gospel and accept Christ. But they will one day before the Antichrist destroys them all, and he'll destroy most of them. He'll break the treaty with them. The Lord will return, and most of the people that are left, they will turn to the Lord. They will recognize him and come to the Lord. But right now, they're no special people. God uses wicked people. When people always defend Israel, they're ignorant. You don't always defend Israel. When they're wrong, they're wrong. You don't defend people if they're in sin and a rebellion. So, And a Christian shouldn't be getting involved in all that anyway. His job is to live the gospel. He's the chosen. The body of Christ is the church, which is mainly Gentile, and we are the chosen Israel. We are the special people. For God rejected Israel, and he will not take them up again until they're born again. Ezekiel said, bone upon bone and flesh upon flesh, they've not been breathed in yet. They don't have the life of Christ in them. But he can work with them and use them, and he can use the wicked. He can bring forth Abraham's promises, bypassing a lot, but he's not going to bypass the individual rejecting Jesus Christ. They can claim all the chosen they want. They're not chosen, and God proved they weren't by the persecution. They're not being persecuted because they're righteous people. They're being persecuted to a great degree because they've chosen not to follow the covenant, and they broke the covenant, and God promised to punish them. So they need to come to Christ, and they do not have a special relationship. And people say, well, they're the elect, the chosen. The only ones that are elected and chosen of Jews is those who come to the Lord. And Paul explains that. He said, oh, God isn't rejected. He's cut off most of the branches. But he said, but we're here. For the first six or eight years, it was only Jews that were coming to the Lord. The Gentiles were not being preached. So he's saying, we're still in. We're still a part of the root. 
but he was talking about the nation and the people as a whole. And the scripture says, a multitudes will be descendants of Abraham, but only a few will be saved. So just being a descendant, and even Paul made it plain earlier, he said, a Jew is not one who's been circumcised and uh, honors the law. He said, if you don't keep the law, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. He says, you're not a true Jew. You don't have no spiritual covenant with God. And he said, and the Gentiles, which obey the moral law and the conscience, and they didn't have a lot what the Jew had, they were accepted. Well, that blew the Jewish Christians' mind, and the one Jews coming, they still wanted to believe they were special. And that's their problem. They're not special. They're only special when they come to the Lord. So I don't know why I got off on that, but somebody must need to hear that sometime. Okay, so what is he not lying about? That I have, in verse 2, a great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, okay? Yet he would have them know, this is Paul, a Jew of Jew, a Pharisee of Pharisees that came to the Lord. He still loved and wished those well, the Jewish people, that God had rejected because the Jews rejected God and the consequences that followed. He destroyed their system. He abolished and fulfilled the law and the ceremonies, and he went to the Gentiles as a whole. Uh, that's what he did. So we're under the true covenant. We are the spiritual Israel that descends from Abraham. We are the blessed ones. And yet we'll see, too, that many that claim Christianity are not true Christians either, no more than Jews who claim to be Jews are not spiritual Jews, as far as Christ is concerned. So he, being a Jew, and now a Christian Jew, had great sorrow and grief in his spirit for Israel being separated from God. He understood the consequences and what had happened to them. Okay, makes an interesting statement. A lot of people just run with this and make all kinds of things. For I could wish that I myself were cursed or separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, some people say, well, that means he'd rather be cursed than go to the lake of fire for them. That is no concept. No fool would wish for eternal damnation for anybody, and God wouldn't expect it and wouldn't honor it. He doesn't work that way. No, he's making a different statement. Under the law, some were willing to give their life and so forth to help their people, and he was willing to do that, but we'll see something similar. He could desire to be separated from Christ for what sake. Again, he didn't talk about a permanent place in hell. It was a thought of sentiment, but not as some may think. He would bear their sins. Well, one did. Christ did for us. So he fulfilled this. But it wasn't a permanent. After he bore the sins and was cursed as the sinner, he was resurrected because there was no sin in him. Okay? So one has done this. But Christ did it for us. Now, Moses said something similar in Exodus when the rebellious people rebelled and God was about ready to wipe them out. He was tired of it, and he was going to start a new race through Moses. That's how agitated he was with these continual rebellious people. So, in Exodus 32, 32, 
Now, this is Moses speaking. When God said he's already going to start judging them, he says what? Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray you'll blot me out of your book, which you have written. Well, that's interesting. Under the old law and under the time of Moses, they had no concept, as far as we know, of hell or a lake of fire. A lot of them believed when you died, if you were wicked, you died. You were judged, and that was it. But he had no concept, and so he wouldn't be thinking that way anyway, or he wouldn't have offered, okay? But what does God say? But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. He was telling Moses, that's not your capability, and that's not your choice. So again, they're speaking by human sentiment, feelings, emotions, and always don't get to the root of it. God gets the root of things. He's not moved just by human sentimentality or thoughts of affection if it's not based on truth and holiness. So a lot of people, they go too far with God condescending. He condescends to communicate with us. But he says his ways are not always. They're higher and they're different. So he said the same thing. Rather than God kill the whole nation for their rebellion, he said, well, kill me. That's what he was asking, if that'll help. Well, God didn't see fit to do that. Okay, But later he did it through Jesus. So remember earlier in our last lesson, nothing could separate us from Christ, the one that's in Christ, the one walking and living in the Spirit is not a sinner, okay? Many people claim that scripture as if nothing, once saved, always saved. You read it real well and you'll see that the word sin is never mentioned. Sin will separate you. It's talking about the one in the Spirit it's not talking about the professing Christian or the one who Paul says, if you practice these things, you'll not enter the kingdom. So Paul makes it plain. He don't care what you claim. He said, if you're practicing these gross sins, you will not make it. Why? Because you're not a Christian and God don't accept your Christianity. No more than he accepted the Jews' circumcision when they didn't keep the law. It was void. It didn't matter. See, Ritual and ceremony has nothing to it if the heart ain't right, okay? So many people confess Jesus and believe who he is, but they don't follow him, so they're not really Christians. And that's why Jesus will say to the multitude of professing Christians at Judgment Day, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of lawlessness. He didn't say you believed in me. They did believe in him. They said, Lord, Lord. They believed he was a son of God. They believed they were Christians. But because their works didn't validate that, as James said, it's dead. Your faith is dead. So you profess something. Well, let's see. James says, I'll prove my faith by my works. And he's talking about spiritual works. Paul said the same thing. If you work righteousness, you're accepted of him. If you don't, you're going to end up in death and hell. So he said, because we're under grace, can we continue in sin? He said, don't you know? It's who you obey. That's working righteousness and submitting to the Lord. He said, that's who your master is. So he didn't care how much grace you claimed and faith. If you are not walking in a righteous lifestyle with the help of the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. You're not under grace. 
you don't have the true faith. James would say, you have false faith, it's dead. Okay? So, in verse 4, he said, was a continuant, he said, my kinsmen according to the flesh, for says, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption of sons, they were under covenant, and the glories, seeing God's manifestations and signs and wonders, and the covenants based on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the covenant of the law was given, and the temple service, the ministries through the priests and the Levites, all of that, was, and the promises, again, given through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's where it originated. Abraham was the first Jew, okay? And so it's coming through him. So he's saying that's what they were. That's what they had. And then God cut them off because they rejected and did not keep the covenant, he eventually. But he proceeded. His original plans were not altered. He just altered the people and brought in another plan. He has the right to do that, and he's going to discuss this later. So the kinsmen, the Jews and the Israelites, belong to the adoptions, that's the children to God, okay? And all the promises. And salvation, the scripture says, and Christ and the apostles is of the Jews. It came through righteous Jews who kept the covenant. Didn't come through every Jew. Most of the Jews back then were just as lost as most of the professing Christians are today. It was only a remnant that was saved. And Paul makes it very plain. Okay, you're circumcised. You claim to be a Jew. Are you breaking the law? He said, then you're not a Jew. He said, that's spiritual. He said, so if you break the law and you're judging the Gentiles, are you any better? And the rhetorical was no. And you will be judged more severely, basically, Paul told them. Because you had privileges that they didn't have, and you didn't keep it. And Peter says the same thing in the New. He says, it's better not to have known Christianity and the Lord than to depart from him. Your judgment will be so much greater those who were given greater grace, and that's the justice of God. He can extend or withhold grace, but once it's given, people say, well, it's a free gift. Uh, a free gift doesn't mean you have no responsibility. See, a lot of people think, well, it's free. No, it's not the way people think. They think in selfishness. God has withdrawn gifts. God has withdrawn forgiveness to people who won't forgive others. He's retracted his word. He said in Ezekiel, I think it was, if at any time I prophesy or proclaim good to a people and they do evil, he said, I will repent of the good I intended to do them. And if any people are wicked, he said, and they repent, that he wouldn't judge them. So he was saying, it depends on how you respond. So my word is not a guarantee when it comes to personal sin. The guarantee on prophecies of God are for peoples, nations, and for Christ. Certain things like that and the promises to Abraham are not going to be altered. But like the church, like Paul said, if you don't continue in goodness, you'll be cut off just like the Jew. But the church will go on. He'll have a people. Uh-huh. But you can be cut off if you don't keep. So it's not these so-called perversions of predestination, election. It don't have to do with the individual. If you read it, we're going to see soon 
have to do with tribes and future tribes and the blessings to Israel. We'll see that even Ishmael was blessed and his descendants because of Abraham's prayer. But we'll see as far as the individual, that's a different thing. No one's predestined or elected for heaven or hell before they're born. That's a monster thinking. These are false teachers. They're taught teach by demons. They make God worse than a devil. He never considers himself that way. But we'll see when he talks about the scriptures they pervert for individuals will come to them soon. And God's going to keep it from the wise and let them believe their lies and be damned. And then they're going to be judged severely for misrepresenting God as being unjust and foolish. Okay, so God can't say it's his will in both covenants that everybody be saved, and then all of a sudden, I've only elected 10% of them. We would have to say he's mentally deranged. He has to go one way or another. He can't talk out of both sides of his mouth. And so people grab a scripture. Well, this one is, no, that fits in. And when I've talked to heretics about certain things, all they're interested in for you to shut up so they can give you their one scripture. I said, well, that's wonderful. Now I'll explain these scriptures. They're not being conflict if the Holy Spirit wrote them. Well, they don't want to mess with them because they've been taught only know seven scriptures. That's all you need to know because they're under a demon spirit, okay? And they'll be lies and believe lies and they'll be damned, okay? So we see then, verse five, who are the fathers? Okay, this is referring to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. From whom is Christ according to the flesh? The human nature came, he was the descendant. Who is over all, God blessed forever. Okay. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob proceeded. And from them, the Jewish nation, and along the line before and during, the prophets arose and the law first, Okay for the Jewish people. So even Christ, Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, came through the Jews. That's why he said salvation is of the Jews. Jesus took on that human nature through the Jewish people, okay? And he's over all, Paul is telling us, as Christ, he is the everlasting almighty God. He's the so be it. So be it. So he's understanding. Anytime Paul talks about Christ, he's talking about the divine nature. When he's talking about sometimes Jesus, uh, he's referring to humanity. But Jesus has helped said, I'm with you and I'm going to be crucified, but I shall be in you. He can only be in us as God. He said, I shall be in you. And thee and the Father will come and live in you. How is he going to do that? As God. See? His glory would be restored and the use of it. And he would come. And when the Spirit filled him, he said, I will not leave you often. I will come to you. So he interchanges the Spirit with himself. And when they asked to see the Father, like Philip, he said, How I've been with you so long. How to come you ask that the Father is in me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's talking about the divine nature. So it's Christ now, descendant. He came down as God, took on the human nature, limited himself, refrained himself in the human side, and obeyed the Father as a prophet, as a teacher, as a man, who depended on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He didn't do anything as God. He did it as a man yielded to the Holy Spirit. 
And that's why he's the mediator, the man, Jesus Christ. See, it emphasizes his humanity and his divinity. That's what makes him a perfect intercessor. So he's explaining that to them. And he says, so be it, or amen, okay? He wants them to understand that. And heretics come up with everything. We've got a billion people who call Mary the mother of God. She's not the mother of God. And furthermore, she's not a virgin. They still call her the virgin, and she's not a virgin. That false system says she never had sex after Jesus. They want to make Jesus' brothers and sisters his cousins. It's a blatant misuse of heresy. She did not rise up to heaven like Jesus did. She was not the immaculate conception without sin. This is all heresy and lies. They're trying to replace Jesus. Mary is having more grace than Jesus does. It's a heresy. She's not the mother of God. She's the mother of the human side of Jesus. She didn't have God. Well, she would be above God. They talk foolishness, and they're inspired by demons because it's not in Scripture. Okay, chapter 9, verse 6. But it is not as though the word of God failed. Okay, it means because he rejected the Jews and the system. God's word didn't fail. For they are not all Israel who are the descendants of Israel. So he's making that plain. As he already said in previous verses, you're only a Jew if you're circumcised and you keep the law. If you don't, it don't amount to nothing. The same thing applies to Christians. You don't follow the Lord and light of the Spirit. don't care what you profess, you're not a Christian. And Jesus is going to tell most of them that at Judgment Day. He said, I don't know you. You're cursed of my Father, you workers of lawlessness. See, you were not submitted to the law of Christ. Oh, you believed, but you lived and did as you pleased. And you thought all that ritual and belief would save you. Oh, I've had many people say, well, I believe in God. Well, the devil believes that, and he's going to hell the lake of fire. Oh, they believe. They have no question who he is. They just don't submit to him willingly as their Lord. But they will acknowledge these things when the time's right to cast them into the lake of fire. Okay. So verse 6 we see, God's word is not failed. Even the new covenant is built on the Jewish Christians, the 12 apostles. The first Christians, like I said, for six or eight years were Jews. Cornelius, six or eight years later, as Peter went and preached and opened the door. That's the keys. It's not that Peter was all powerful and he's the Pope. The keys of the kingdom was he would open the gospel and first preach it to the Jews, and then later he would preach it to the Gentiles. The key is for opening. There's no popery. Well, the Roman Catholics have four popes while John the Apostle still living. How could that be? He was the foundation. There could not be one after him that he didn't approve of if he had popes. But they didn't have it. It's all lies is what it is. Corrupt system. Okay? So just being born and a descendant and a Jew does not make one a Jew or an Israelite. Okay, now we'll go back and we'll see this here. Romans, we'll go back to further chapters. Let's go to Romans 2. I've just quoted it, but we need to read it. 
so they won't think I misquoted it. Romans 2, 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, that means circumcised, nor is that circumcision in the outward of the flesh. He said, that don't make you a Jew. Well, today, and most Jews consider that you're a Jew if you're circumcised. Well, let me tell you something. A billion Muslims are circumcised when they're 12 and 13. That doesn't make them a Jew, does it? Okay. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the spirit of the heart. The spirit is speaking of the Lord, and not the letter, not rules and regulation. See, the ceremonies and rituals mean nothing if the spirit is not behind it. So water baptism gets you wet if you're really not committed to the Lord and you're not going to follow him and you're not born again. All you did was get wet, okay? Has no effect on you. Whose praise is not from men, but from God. So all these ceremonies that man uses and perverts are from him. They're not from God. So many people think they're Christians because they've been baptized. Well, they're not. And if they were, they didn't last long if they went back into the world and sinful living, okay? So he wants us to know that. Now, Matthew 8, this is a heavy one. People don't like this one, especially sometimes the early Jewish Christians that Jesus was talking to. See, they didn't understand. when He brought up the new gospel, it was going to mainly be Gentile, and they had a hard time. He said, I have many things to tell you that you can't bear, but when the Spirit comes. They were asking about the restoration of Israel. They didn't even think about Gentiles becoming Christians. They thought it was all for Israel. Even the disciples thought that. And he said, well, there's things I can't tell you now. But when he fulfilled the law and the prophecies, the Spirit came and instructed them. And you don't hear them asking ever again about the restoration of Israel because he's dealing with the church now, okay? The true Israel. Matthew 8, 10 and 12. And the first time here, we're going to see Jesus mentioning weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. This is the first time it's plain, okay? First and 10, when Jesus heard about the Gentiles' faith, he said what? Or surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So he was admiring the faith of a Gentile, and he hadn't found it among the Jews. Isn't that astounding? Okay. And I say unto you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of God. He's talking about Gentiles. But the sons of the kingdom, this is the Jews, will be cast into outer darkness. That's hell. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what does he say? As a whole, the Jews are going to be lost, basically as the Gentiles, but there'll be a greater number. But he's saying there'll be many. So there'll be far more Gentiles than Jews in the kingdom of God and heaven. Uh-huh. So he's telling you, well, see, they was having a hard time with that. They couldn't believe the unclean Gentile. He's a dog. Well, they're going to find out the Lord thought differently, and they wouldn't accept that. And many of the Jews wouldn't. See, they couldn't handle this. And that's why they called him a false prophet and wanted to kill him, 
because they couldn't agree with some of these things he was saying. So the children of the kingdom are the sons of Israel, the Jews. Okay? And when he says the sons of the kingdom, he's speaking of the majority. He's not speaking of a remnant. And we'll see in a few verses that he's going to tell us again that most of the descendants of Abraham are not true Jews. Okay? It makes it very plain. And remember, that's the first time he talks about weeping and gnashing of teeth when they're cast into the lake of fire. That finds some of them thinking, oh my, well, you better read it. So not all the children of Israel or his bodily descendants are the Lord's, are true Jews. But, let's read the but here. It follows they are of Isaac. The spiritual side, which is the remnant, we're going to see it came through. Abraham kept all the promises by faith, and he obeyed. And if he had not obeyed, that was his spiritual works, and offered up Isaac, none of the promises would have come to pass. See, people forget that. And that's what James tells us. It was when he offered it up, and Paul tells us. That's when God started bringing about the promises. Wasn't until then. He lived by faith, and he walked in righteousness. But if he had not offered Isaac, it would have all been void. And he proved his faith and righteousness by his works, his spiritual work, and his obedience. So faith without obedience is a false faith, okay? They have to be together. So the promises and covenants are spiritual, and they come through Isaac, okay? And the way of faith and grace and the blood, all of that goes through Isaac. The promises continued and through Jacob. So all Muslims are descendant of Abraham. Got it? As the Jews are. Okay? But spiritually, everybody is a descendant of Abraham if he comes through Isaac or through faith. The new covenant. See, he's making it plain then. A remnant will be saved. And the true Christian, see, God hasn't altered his plans. He's just given deeper revelation of what he intended to bring about, okay? And so if man refuses to do certain things, like he told Moses, I'm tired of these people rebelling. I'll kill them all, and I'll make a nation of you. It may have taken him three or 400 years more. It wouldn't have altered his plan. I'm going to redeem man through the Jewish people. So he was ready. And people said, well, he would, we can't get into hypotheticals with God. He don't talk to people and lie to them. He meant it at that time, okay? But he tells us sometimes the future and things he sees, but it does not interfere with people's choices. So he can do that. But he deals individually with the person that sins or lives righteously. During Isaiah's time, they were so wicked, it said the Lord looked for an intercessor and he found none. So he judged them, brought forth the judgment. He wouldn't let Moses. One time he said, even though Moses and Samuel stood before me, they were considered the greatest of intercessors by God. He said, I wouldn't listen to them. He meant their sins were so far, he wouldn't allow it. So that just shows you. But his purposes for salvation and his purposes for certain things, they're within his mind. We're going to see that. And it don't depend on an individual. It depends on groups of people and what he's going to do. Okay? 
So most professing Christians will reject it as non-Christians by Christ. Again, they'll say, Lord, Lord, and they'll give mental assent, but he don't care about that. He says, I know you're not Christians because you're lawless. That means you're not following me and you're living in sin. So therefore, he don't care about how many times they were baptized or what kind of vision they had in the past. That's irrelevant to him. God deals in eternity. He may deal in the past, present, and future. But when he deals with man, it's in the present. So he can foresee things and stuff that we don't understand. But at the same time, he allows the freedom of man to make choices. And if he sees the choices, it's still fair and just for him. But it has an effect at the individual. And some people say, well, see, he prophesies certain things. Well, some people say he foresees it. And some people say he makes it come to pass. Well, it doesn't matter one way or the other. And that's, again, things that don't belong to us. He says, what's revealed? He don't tell us all these things about what he knows. It'd be like us trying to teach algebra to an earthworm. It's impossible. And so he doesn't need to state certain facts. And people run with it and pervert those facts, which they have no uh, scriptural basis for. Because some things the Lord doesn't explain, he states. Okay? We'll take a break now.